As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 209 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. And Andy, this is a fun one. Career batting average in the postseason for Juan Uribe, 209. His career OPS in the postseason, 587. He was an objectively bad postseason hitter. And yet, <laughs> well, I mean, sack flies do nothing for your for your batting average. So <laughs> that's true. Um, that's true. He, he had one of those that was pretty important. Um, it is funny. Sometimes you have this sort of cognitive dissonance between someone who had a really great postseason, and you look at the numbers, and it's like, oh, that that's not so great. Uh, so I guess like everything in life, timing timing counts. Timing matters. Timing can be everything. It is a, amazing timing. It's not just uh, the walk-off sack fly. It's not just the pennant winning go-ahead home run. He's also a postseason legend for the Dodgers. He's of all the players in baseball history, he's like the one player who can be that handshake meme between Giants fans and Dodgers fans. Giants fans love Juan Uribe. Dodgers fans love Juan Uribe. I don't know how that happened when you have a 587 OPS in the postseason. And after that home run against the Braves, he was terrible for the Dodgers in the postseason. Doesn't matter if your timing is really good just once. You know, it, it's funny. He also just became like his own meme, you know, with, with some of the outfits he would wear <laughs> or he'd be chomping on cigars um, I mean, he was just kind of like, he gave zero you-know-whats, and, and everyone loved him. Everyone loved the guy, and I think he just took, especially playing for teams that were in the postseason, and don't forget he won a ring with the White Sox, too. True. He was part, he was part of that World Series team uh, with Aaron Rowand and company, um, company being A.J. Brzezinski. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, this is a guy who people just wanted to be around. I remember he would douse himself with cologne before he'd go out for batting practice, which I thought was tremendous. He called it his hit spray. 
Uh, I said, got to put my hit spray on. So, um, yeah, tip of the cap to Alonya Ribe. He was a lot of fun to cover and a lot of fun to watch. So many good vibes. But we are not here to talk about Alonya Ribe. We are here to talk about which one of the Coen Brothers movies is our favorite. I am partial to Miller's Crossing. Which is your favorite Coen Brothers movie, Andy? Now, Grant, you know, we have to talk about the game. We Son have to. We're here. We're here. We have to talk about the game. So I'll tell you, when Northwestern was down 11 points in the first quarter, I didn't think it looked good at all. I didn't really have a lot of hope for this team this year. Um, and, and they shocked me with how well they played on all sides of the ball. Obviously, a big win uh, and, and a tough one for Nebraska and Scott Frost. I don't think he's going to last the season. But, but, but wow, the, the Northwestern Wildcats really impressed me with that season opening victory. And it's really hard to lose when your receiver tips a ball. You know, what can he do against? You can't prevent against that. There's no plays against a receiver batting a ball up in the air. Yeah, I mean, you know, totally. Yeah, what uh, didn't Franco Harris have a meaningful touchdown on based on that? I think I I, don't know. I just wanted to, to point out that I saw the highlight of the end of that game on Twitter. That's all I know about college football. Oh, is that, okay. that one highlight that I saw it just happened to be Northwestern. It's like, oh, Andy must be happy. So you watch the whole darn thing. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I, I watch when they're going to be terrible. I watch when they're good. I watch pretty much all the time. I, I do schedule my life around it. It's it's a little bit upsetting. Uh, it's the only sporting like thing where I can call myself like a fan short for fanatic. Um, and and it's Northwestern football. It's, 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 it's like being a, a Chicago Cubs fan on steroids, you know? Uh, so... Um, but yeah, that was when they do win or they surprise you. It's it's exhilarating. And, uh, and and did you hear about what happened at the stadium in um, in Dublin, Ireland, where they played the game? I did not. So apparently their point of ser- service system uh, was offline. And here they are at the Aer Lingus Classic, and they don't want to make a bad impression to all the people visiting, I'm sure. <laughs> so they couldn't charge people for uh, any food or beer or anything. And they apparently were on a cashless setup. So they just gave everything away. It was free beer for everyone Whoa. for the whole game. <laughs> Can you imagine? Whoa, free footy scran. Just, uh, oh my gosh, free. I mean, how did it not end like Disco Demolition Night or ten, I, I guess 10 Cent Beer Night is the I, real time. So Someone uh, posted a video of the line and the line was just like, it was long and long. It was so, so long. You wouldn't see any of the game, I think, if you got more than two beers. But uh, um, but yeah, pr- pretty hilarious. I That would that just not happen in this country. They would just be uh, like, sorry, we're closed. And for good measure, if anyone is curious and you're at a computer right now, uh, Google my name and 10 Cent Beer Night because I did a retrospective where I went back and looked at all the photos from the 70s and 10 Cent Beer Night. And they are great. They are just wasted people rushing the field and in blood and oh it's fantastic uh, <laughs> so that, that's why it would never it's happen fantastic here. question mark <laughs> okay hey guess uh, what guess what? what we've made it we've made it five minutes in without talking about the Giants oh they're bad how about that yeah, they're I bad know. they're bad I am currently in the midst of writing the five biggest miscalculations that the Giants had going into this season um, they tried Charged in thinking that they were going to contend. They are going to probably enter September completely out of contention. What would your biggest miscalculations be? Like if you had to round out, I've got Anthony Desclafani. I've got the bullpen and the people within. I have the defense and balls in play. I have the Brandons. Is there something I'm missing? I'm actually just having you help me write my article in calling it a podcast. Um, 
Well, I think those are the ones that I would have mentioned first. Uh, certainly the Brandons. I mean, Brandon Belt not being healthy is, is a big, big deal. And then Crawford for, for part of the season, too. You know, I, I voted him MVP, and I didn't think it was a homer vote at all. I think it was no. totally legitimate. And, and, and he has not been, you know, a league average player this year. So that's the drop-off you're talking about. They got 40, like, what, 48 home runs out of first base last year? Unbelievable. And that hasn't happened because mostly because Brandon Belt hasn't been healthy. I think that, you know, leaving the Darren Ruff could have an expanded role in and hit right-handers probably was a miscalculation. You know, thinking that they could have like Ruff and Jock Peterson and all these guys out there and call it an outfield and just sort of the defense in general, not uh, you know investing more in players that could you know bring some defensive value. I think that was a miscalculation, especially given the kind of pitching staff that they were putting together. Yeah. Um, those would be the other things that stand out to me, but the fact that we have many to pick from is not a very good uh, um, omen for, for what the season became. Yeah, it just it just felt like so much that they were counting on did not pan out, and I, it's tough to assign blame for all of them because, look, Brandon Belt from 2020 through 2021 was one of the 10 best hitters in baseball. That's not hyperbolic. That is not uh, overrating him. If you look up, whether it's OPS Plus or whether it's uh, Runs Created Plus, uh, Weighted Runs Created Plus, I mean, whatever metric you want to use, he was one of literally the 10 best hitters in baseball. So what are you going to do? Like, not re-sign him? Are you going to jettison him and say, we need youth, uh, even if he were not Brandon Belch, a Giants postseason hero, if he were just Brandon Belch, some guy they signed before the 2020 season, you would still want him back. And then you add in the history and his importance to the organization and him being a, a fan favorite in most circles. I, it, it was obvious. And the same goes for Brandon Crawford. You bring those guys back. They earned it. They had such a tremendous year last year. Uh, what are you going to do? I mean, it's just, it, I, I understand why they brought it back. I understand why it didn't work. I don't see how they could have done anything differently. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the thing they could have done differently is spend more money. I mean, you know, yeah. instead of getting Jock Peterson, they could have gotten, um, you know, uh, Kyle Schwarber. Uh, sure. they, they could have made uh, more expensive choices. Instead of bringing Di Scalfani back, they could have re-signed Kevin Gossman. Um, so, you know, th- those would be the things that would stand out to me. But, um, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I, I don't, I think there is a little bit of hubris that was mixed in, thinking that this team was going to be good enough. Um, yep. By the same token, boy, you, you bake in every bit of regression you want. It, it's tough for a team to have 20 games worth of regression in one year. And even mm-hmm. if they did, they're still winning 87. You know, it's, it's it, it's yeah. I, I, I don't think that, like, basically they fell asleep at the wheel or they completely were, you know, negligent uh, putting this team together or thinking they could run it back and, and everything would work out great. But you know, between that, between the relievers not having as much optionability, between you know, I mean, they they made, they were still just as frenetic trying to pick up people um, who had been waived or 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 making minor trades or, or adding interesting arms. I mean, even to the point where they're signing you know Matt Boyd's for an extra level of second half you know depth. Um, they they put in the work. I mean, they, they worked tirelessly to try to create the depth that they had last year. It just it just didn't work. Yeah, and to be clear, when I say what are you going to do, I was specific. 
specifically referring to the Brandons because I agree with you. Uh, the Desclafani is one of the ones that I'm not giving them a pass on. I think that was a miscalculation. He was not someone you wanted to see against the Dodgers in a postseason game. And when you have a pitcher like that, maybe it's worth asking some questions like, is there a way to get a pitcher we do want to see against the Dodgers in a postseason game? Like Maybe we should be thinking on that kind of shopping level. Maybe we should be going to Nordstrom instead of uh, Macy's, to, to use a really hip and current analogy. Um, so I don't know. I, it's just they made a lot of mistakes. They uh, There are a lot of miscalculations. What I'm not, what I wasn't expecting, I was expecting perhaps uh, regression. I was not surprised that the Giants didn't win 97 games, much less 107 games. 87 wins wouldn't have surprised me. It's the fact that I am pessimistic about next season as well. That's what surprised me. And I'm not sure why I'm so surprised because when you look at it, it's it's an old team. It's, uh, you know, I wonder why I had optimism for next year, because now that you've seen through and the smoke is cleared, I, it's it's not quite there. They have a lot of work to do. Well, I think it's, it's uh, it, you know, we've talked about it. How many people do you think will be on this roster beyond, you know, two years from now? And how many people, not just like, you know, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, you know, the people we've discussed, but, and we've even talked about Evan Longoria and why it makes sense to bring him back. But, you know, is he going to be an impact player? Probably not. Um, but what is Lamont Wade Jr.? What is, um, mm-hmm. you know, what, what are some of these other players that look like they were breaking out last year um, that just kind of look like guys this year? And, what about uh, Yastrzemski? I mean, yeah. Sheesh. Yeah, I mean, I still think you 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 offer him a contract because he's um, he 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 generates more war than you know what he's probably going to make in arbitration, but uh, but yeah, I, I agree. It's uh, it, you don't have a whole lot of people that that you want to see take. 500 plate appearances next year. And, um, you know, that that's kind of a tough spot to be in. Yeah, I just, I, I keep looking over the roster. I keep pouring through and I keep trying to, to shuffle the, the tiles around and, and figure out how this team becomes interesting in the span of an offseason. It's, it's going to be tough. I will say, uh, I'm looking at Alex Cobb's stats and uh, does he come back to the Giants next year. I know he's under contract, but I'm more talking about him taking his shoes and socks off like Richie Tenenbaum on the tennis court um, because he's just so frustrated with the defense behind him. He has four wins in 21 starts. He has a 2.94 FIP. He is a good pitcher, an objectively good pitcher. He has four and six in 21 starts. I He's one of the reasons you maybe should feel optimistic uh, for next year because he's a good pitcher. But man, I have never seen anyone as snake bit as he's been. It's 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 crazy. If you look at his expected ERA, it's like two point nine four or something like that. <laughs> at least it was. I'll have to look it up. But I mean, there is nobody who has a bigger difference between their expected stats and what their actual stats are. Um, even even the games where he, you know, I. I can't say I watched every moment of every game they were on the road trip uh, when I was in Oregon and, and when I was um, up in Sacramento and and then I've been home for the weekend um, uh, watching a football game in Ireland um, so <laughs> so you know I, I wasn't ex- glued to the TV every moment that the Giants were playing but you know when I see a box score pop up and Alex Cobb has given up 10 hits in you know six innings I'm like well probably four of those hits probably weren't hits <laughs> I mean you know because that's just been the season he's had Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. I will send you video of what uh, precipitated the calamity in his last start. It was a two-out play where uh, they were runners running all over the bases and scrambling to get back, and one throw to one of the bases would have ended the inning, ended the threat, and Brandon Crawford, for whatever reason, just could not get a throw off, and everyone was able to scramble back. And then, of course, you know what happens. Just uh, the inning implodes in Alex cop just didn't deserve it. The, the runners were on in the first place because of dinks and doinks, and I just don't know. And I don't see how the Giants fix their defense before next season. I'm just, you know, it's it's not easy to go out and say, okay, we're gonna. You can find a good defensive left fielder, you can find a good defensive center fielder, but can you find one who hits enough to to be in the lineup? Maybe not. And so that's going to be: Are you going to trade offense for defense? Are the Giants still? Uh, confident in the idea that offense means more than defense, and if you can get more home runs than balls caught, then it'll even out in the end. I don't know. I just don't see how they're going to to fix all this before next season. Well, we know that they're not going to like you know plant Brett Phillips in, in center field right. and, and give him 500 plate appearances. They're not going to sign Antrelton Simmons. I mean, um, you know, they they definitely believe that the trade off uh, is worth it to give away some um, you know some balls that fall in uh, defensively for what someone can input from the offensive side. And, you know, maybe they're right. They probably are right. They were definitely more right last year when there were fewer balls in play and, and um, uh, you know, and more strikeouts, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think as as we go into an era where they're going to legislate against shifts and where you know, maybe hitters adjust by lowering their sights a little bit and there are more balls in play, hopefully, I think that's, that'll make for a better game, then I think that that bargain changes, doesn't it? Doesn't the calculus change on on um, just how much you're willing to, I guess, put up with from a sort of defensive liability standpoint to get more offense? Um, but you know what? This is a front office that if I had to describe Farhan Saidi in any like one sentence, it would be um, like what his goal is uh, as a baseball executive. It is to best operationalize within the rules as given. So if those rules change, then your operations change. And I think that I think that they're smart enough to realize that. And if I were to describe them, I would say the front office, I, it would be a team that's not going to remain. Uh, how do I put this? They're going to keep looking for other ways to, to open that can of cat food. They are still they are not going to just say, no, 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 it's worked in the past. Let's try, try again. I think this has been a very humbling season for them. And they're going to really try and figure out how to rebuild this team within, like you said, like the rules of the game have changed, but the context has changed, how to reinvent themselves. I do think this front office is capable front office when it comes to that it's just it's so much work compared to what you thought they were going to have to do coming into this season you thought they had uh, the 
the secrets of baseball figured out in a lot of ways where you can just look through other organizations and go, that guy, Lamont Wade Jr., that's the guy who's going to help us. And he does, or that guy, Mike Yastrzemski. And you thought, okay, they're just going to keep doing this. Once that dries up and they're not keeping doing that, Ugh, it's, it's it's not pretty. Yeah, well, and you play in a division with the Dodgers, and that makes it even more stark, right? Um, but, that uh, is, when you're playing the Twins, and the Twins are basically having a season very similar to the Giants, and they're right in it. You know, they're two games behind the Guardians, and that's a big difference. The Giants could be four games behind a, a team that's not running away, running away with it like the Dodgers, but uh, yeah, the Dodgers are 88-38, and 38, which is, wow. Yeah, so the Twins, when the season, when that series began in Minnesota, the Twins were sitting on 62 wins, and the Giants were sitting on 61. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they basically were having the they had the same record. Now they exit the series, and one team is 65 and 61, the other team is 61 and 65. But yeah, you're right. The Minnesota is two games behind Cleveland, <laughs> and uh, and they've got a three game uh, cushion over the White Sox, and then you've obviously got the the Royals and Tigers that they've been able to kind of fatten up against a little bit, and and that's kind of what we see going on with this wild card race in the National League, um, where you know the one team that is just terrible, 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 who's um, got 43 wins, the fewest in baseball, is the Washington Nationals, and. Partly because of that, you may see three teams come out of the um, NL East. The, the, the Mets, the Braves are, are very comfortably in that uh, either first wildcard position if they can't catch the Mets. Um, and then you've got the Phillies who are kind of in control of the second wildcard position right now. So not only would they have two wildcard teams, but they currently would be seated one and two. Um, and, and I think that... You know, you look at what the Giants were able to do last year, and they certainly, I mean, they totally dominated the Diamondbacks and, and Rockies. Um, went like, what, 15-4 and four and 17-2 and two against them? Yeah. So, you know, that, that didn't happen this year. I mean, the Rockies are still, you know, they only have 55 wins, but the Diamondbacks are better. Uh, they just called up Corbin Carroll, so they're going to be even better. Um, that, that that kid is really talented, and they're mm-hmm. they're moving up some people in the system that are you're going to have to, they're going to, do some damage against uh, the rest of the league. So the fact the schedule is going to move to a more balanced schedule last year, and I know you've written about this, I think is a good thing if you've got the Dodgers in your division. It's certainly a good thing if you're the Orioles and you've got uh, the Yankees, Red Sox, and Tampa Bay Rays always figure something out in, in their division. I, it's it's just better. It makes sense if you're you know if you're going to compete against these other teams uh, in the National League or American League, what have you, for a wild card spot, it, it, it's patently unfair that you're playing a totally different schedule than they are. And now it'll be a little bit closer. So I think that'll be good. And, and to be honest, if, if you're in the division with the Dodgers and they're going to be, I mean, when are they ever not going to be good? When are they going to hit a lull? I, I just don't see it happening in our, I don't know, lifetimes. So, um, <laughs> So, yeah, I, I think that uh, at least the schedule will provide a little bit more hope next year. Yeah, and I, I think the Dodgers being so much better on paper than the Giants uh, sort of informed how they went about this offseason where there were going to be diminishing returns. If you assume that you already have a wild card team, unless all these bad things start happening, the Giants are going to make the wild card, then you start thinking, well, there's diminishing returns and spending money to catch the Dodgers because we're not going to do that. Are we going to spend money to get a better wild card position? That doesn't make Makes sense. I think they overestimated their chances uh, at that wild card spot, and there were some opportunities to spend money and make their their team better. 
But I, I think that there was a sense of resignment when it came to spending in the offseason because you're not going to catch the Dodgers. When are they going to catch the Dodgers? Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that, you know, it's very easy to sit back and say, oh, man, how did they not recognize that last year was a massive fluke? How did they not recognize that? I think they did recognize that. I think the whole time that they were trying to catch the Dodgers or, or stay in front of the Dodgers last year, they recognized it. They, they knew it was not sustainable to try to, you know, they, they knew which team was, was, was a better organization, which team had more depth and more front-end talent. It was pretty obvious. And, and it's still, I think, just an incredible achievement um, that they won 107 games and won the division over a team that won 106. I mean, no team's ever won 106 games and not finished in first place. So, um, I mean, that will stand as an awesome achievement for everybody that was involved in it, everybody who contributed to it. And no, they didn't think that was going to happen again. They yeah. probably thought their chances of winning the division were like 5%. So why should they try to go all in and spend and 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 just beef up their roster to give themselves any modicum to try to win the division? They knew they weren't going to win the division. So you're right. They, they thought, okay, we can just run it back with the same crew and maybe they'll win 92 games but we'll be in the postseason anyway as a wild card team that's probably what would happen in you know if even if we made all these a b and c bigger moves and you know well they got a little soggy on the bottom and and it's not going to work out it drives me nuts when uh every time i I write an article and i tweet it tweet it out and it's if it's something a little bit negative about the giants or something that calls into what went wrong this year i will always get a response like the Giants were flukes last year. What did you expect? The Giants were uh, flukes. You know, the, it was all smoke and mirrors. And I would like to formally push back on that on this podcast because, come on, we all know that they weren't going to win 107 games again. We knew that they probably weren't going to win 97 games again. That's not, it, it, we're just thinking, hey, maybe they had a chance to win 91 games. The Phillies are on pace to win 91 games. I think the Giants last year, they didn't play play 16 games over their head. I think maybe they had a shot to win 91, 92, 93 games. That was eminently reasonable. And you have what they did. They got Carlos Rodon. He would have contributed toward a 90-plus win team. I think he was a great, fantastic addition. They have a lot of things that are actually going decently right, whether it's Austin Slater. I think Tyro Estrada is doing what they were expecting of him. It's just so much has gone wrong. But no, no one was expecting 107 wins. It was always going to be, uh, let's see if they can squeak into one of the three wildcard spots. Yeah, which there, there's the third one. Oh, look, bonus wildcard spot. Sure. Um, that, that only makes their chances go up more. And it, it does also kind of underscore one of the things that the players were worried about with the expanded postseason is that teams like the Giants wouldn't spend more and wouldn't strive and, and try harder because they felt like, you know, the, the consolation prize was pretty darn good. It, it, not only is there another postseason spot, but it's not even a one-game series. It's it's a it's a best of three. Uh, you may be on the road for the whole thing if, if you're the underseed, but uh, um, but yeah, you, you totally understand why a lot of the players I think were wary uh, about this because it, it may mean that some teams uh, that have a little more scratched end up not spending it because they feel that they're good enough. Yeah, and you just look up and down the roster 
where you have players who have given the Giants absolutely nothing this year. I shouldn't say absolutely nothing, but who have been disappointments, whether it's the Brandons, whether Tommy LaStella really hasn't given them anything for the life of his contract. Uh, Lamont Wade Jr. has been hurt all year. Alex Wood now has an ERA of exactly 5.00. Tyler Rogers has been a non-factor. Well, he's not been a non-factor. He's been a, a, a very big factor, just in the wrong direction. There are so many guys who contributed last year who just weren't able to. Jake McGee. And they add up and they add up. And look, 107 wins wasn't on the table. But you look at all these players and you could have expected them to contribute towards a 90-something win team. It's just too many disappointments all stacked on top of each other. Yeah, and it does set up for, for some tough decisions to be made because, I mean, you look at that bullpen and you think, wow, that bullpen needs to be overhauled, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, Dominic Leone is a free agent. After that, you've got everyone coming back, basically, if, if they tender them contracts. Um, you know, and, and so how much, how much like a Harleen Garcia is a guy who um, even most of this year has pitched fairly well. Um, I think he's sort of caught the, the same uh, flu that everybody else has in the bullpen recently, um, and the usage might be catching up to him, but has been a pretty good guy, a pretty serviceable uh, pitcher, and, and, and was great in the first half and was good all year last year. Um, but he's out of options. So, you know, if, if you tender him a contract, he's in your bullpen all year next year. And uh, um, how, how much, you know, Zach Littell, same thing, guys out of options. It's like, well, um, you know, you get to the point where you just don't have that many roster spots to play with uh, unless you start just basically, you know, um, uh, just starting over and, and, and DFA some people or, or, or don't tender them contracts. So they have a lot of interesting decisions to make coming up this offseason. One of my favorite all-time sabermetric articles was uh, Russell Carlton. Uh, we've talked about him a few times on this podcast, just a, a really tremendous writer and baseball analyst. And he showed that when a bullpen is struggling, it can be contagious. And where it shows up is it's uh, with the high pressure situations, the walk rate goes up because every reliever kind of has this idea of, here we go again. I'm not going to be the guy that screwed up this time. And they start nibbling maybe a little bit more than even they're used to. And it just, it happens when you have one bullpen uh, member go down a little bit south. It's likelier that he's going to take some people down with them. And the Giants just had so many between uh, McGee and Rogers and Dominic Leone has had his his issues and they just they've had a lot of them and so you get to a point where finally you get to the ninth inning and you have this one run lead this precious one run lead and Camilo Duvall's out there well you know once he starts putting base runners on you're thinking no this is supposed to be the reliable guy and it's it just it, you're never able to get yourself unstuck from that kind of uh, swamp wow yeah that's I mean it really does make sort of I guess logical sense and and probably analytical sense um, you know, you have a bullpen that's struggling more. You have more mid-inning pitching changes. You have more pitchers coming in with inherited runners. And, you know, uh, that, that's always a difficult situation because you're going to have to, you know, slide step or, or, or shorten up or pay attention to that runner that, that is not yours that you inherited. Um, and, and maybe it makes you a little less effective as a result. Um, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. It's almost like you're, you're, you're tug of war and everyone's heels are skidding in the sand at the same time. You know, it's you're just <laughs> there you go. You're going to hit the ground. Yeah, and it's weird because you look at, I know that ERA is not the best way to evaluate a reliever. You have to look at their strikeout rate and their this and their that. But you look at the the ERAs in the Giants' bullpen and it's not all ghastly. You have Camilo Duvall. He's under three. John Brebbia has a 2.68 ERA. 
That's pretty darn good. You have Harlan Garcia is just over three. You have some pitchers who are technically preventing runs, but it feels like when they give the runs up, it's at the wrong time. It's when the Giants really have a close game going and they're not giving up their runs in the blowouts. It just feels like they are everything, everything surrounding this team just feels like it has the worst timing, whether it's the injuries or the hits or the, it's just, it feels a little bit snake bit. And I don't know if that's being too fair to the Giants in the front office, but it does feel like this is not just an, uh, an objectively horrible team, but that they might be an average team that's more snake bits than most yeah and you know you think while the offense has been you know has has given has has come back to earth a little bit and you know it has um but uh, i'm looking at their month-to-month slugging percentages and you know there's not a whole lot of difference here i mean the offense was at its best in in may probably but um yeah i you know it it, it's not like the team fell off a cliff i mean they, they hit they're hitting 221 in august but you know they hit 223 in june they hit hit 240 in April. Um, I, I do think, though, that, uh, you know, it, when I look back at a, a season like 2016 and you look at what happened in the second half where they went from the best record in the major leagues to barely, barely sneaking in to the postseason, and the bullpen was such a problem for them that year. Um, but I, I look back at their offense, and they scored a run uh, a game less in the second half. And... A lot of the bullpen was just basically the offense was was not um, giving them any wiggle room uh, to operate with or or yeah like you said that every save situation felt like this like precious bauble that everyone was freaked out about dropping and then of course someone would drop it um, <laughs> so so you know I, I can see how that happens and 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 I think this is a team that that was put together with the notion that they would out hit their mistakes and they would out hit their frailties or their um, their weak points and. Um, you know, have they hit enough? Yeah, you know, it's been a it's been a decent offense on the whole, but they haven't hit uh, like they needed them to hit. Um, you know, given their other frailties and, and shortcomings. Uh, this is a good point. I remember in in 2016 writing about the exact same thing, where it was it listen if this team could score just an extra run per game, I mean that they wouldn't have these close taut leads, and you wouldn't be freaking out. So that is what's happening here. Um, but I I got to tell you I'm. I've talked about enough Giants today. How about you? <laughs> like, I'm like, what are we segueing to from here? Hmm. Mm. The Padres are coming to town. Uh, it, it's it's funny, um, you know, between, like I said, between going to Oregon and then not being on this road trip, and I, I missed the end of the last homestand, I haven't seen a Giants, the Giants in person in two weeks, which in a, in a in the middle of a major league season is like a first for me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be probably going in there today, reintroducing myself to everyone, making sure that my credential is still good. Uh, um, and then and then I'll figure it out. I'll just figure it out. Well, we wish you the best of luck. And uh, if you want some uh, reading material on your way into the ballpark, uh, check out Josh Hader's ERA with the Padres. Uh, woof. He's, he, he, no, yeah, he's on my fantasy team. I'd really prefer not to. Oh, 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 oh man. Yeah. He is. Uh, that trade is looking so bad because they were expecting so much more uh that that said he will uh you know get three clean innings against the giants this uh series so well don't forget i mean when he one of his last acts as a brewer was to give up six runs against the giants in san francisco so um yeah who knows maybe it'll happen again 
they smelled the sulfur coming out of his arm. So uh, yeah. good, good for the Brewers, bad for the punters. All right, this has been episode, what do we say, 207 of the Bags and Brisbee podcast. 209, I think we're 209. 209? Oh, yeah. Man. See, I, I'm trying to like go back in time to where we could talk about, I think 207, we actually talked about maybe a Giants win or two. I don't know. All right, we'll be back on Thursday, and we will talk about what the Giants did against the Padres. I'm not optimistic, but if you've made it all the way to the end of this podcast, maybe you're optimistic. So uh, why (laughs) why should I squash your dreams? We'll see you then.